This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I'm your host today, today, as if I'm never the host. Okay, Erica Lance is, and my co-host today is C.R. Rice. And our guest today is Kay Alex Walker. Woo! 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 Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking first. I'm super fancy. I got myself a little cup here. So we have a sponsor now, which is Skunk Brothers Spirits. And so today I'm trying their Sweet 45 Cherry Cordial. I'm super excited. I also have um, Cherry Limeade. So I may mix some of this in this, but I'm going to try it first without Anyway, I'm just in an exploratory mood. <laughs> That's what I'm going to What do you put in your cherry limeade? I didn't put anything yet because I thought I would try this. Oh, okay. And I thought if it worked, I'd put it in there. Okay. That's my thought anyway. It's sweet 45. It's got a little pinup girl. It's pretty cute. Okay. Um, CR, what are you drinking? I am doing cranberry lime and vodka tonight. Look, we didn't even coordinate. How the hell did that I work know, That's why I asked you. <laughs> that is so bizarre. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I went to Sonic for dinner, and I love their cherry limeade. So yes, left over this. Okay, Kay Alex, what are you drinking? I'm went non-alcoholic, and I'm just drinking like strawberry crystal light. I guess. Oh, cool. <laughs> that could be flavorful. We might put vodka in it on this side, but that could be flavorful. Okay, cool. So, yeah, Alex, do you mind um, telling our audience about what you write? Well, I write contemporary romance for the most part. Um, it's got elements of action, suspense, spice, um, and primarily multicultural interracial romance. And that's kind of the span of I guess at least 13 books it's been so far. Uh, oh, that I've just 13 books, just that. I mean, only weekend. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's amazing. 13 books. That's awesome. When did you publish your first one? August 2014, I believe. And it was the Game of Love. I published that with the publisher. And that's kind of, I actually was not intending to, but she reached out. And that's, Kind of how I got the ball going. Very cool. Well, you said with the publisher as if they're ones that are not with the publisher. Is that yeah. the case? Okay. Yes. Do do tell us about your journey. Um. Honestly, I have been writing for most of my life. I was one of those kids that wrote books in elementary school and did the you know staple them together. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to be a writer, but I never <clears> thought that I wrote things that. You know, people would want to read that were mainstream. I didn't think I knew how to write romance, to be honest. And the first book, The Game of Love, I was completely nervous when it was coming out. Like I couldn't sleep because I didn't know how to be received. And that's what helped me continue to go like feedback and emails from readers saying, you know, they really loved it. And that's where I started. Very cool. So you started off with a publisher. When did you transition to not a publisher? Um, technically, it would be January 2020. Oh, wow. So you were with a publisher for several years. Yes. Okay. And what made you decide to not be with a publisher? 
Um, just that's like just creativity. And that's what I, I wanted to try it. I wanted to see if I could actually do this on my own. Okay. And it's going well so far. Very, very cool. How many of you published on your own? Um, I want to say five. Wow. Yeah, three last year and two this year. Well, very, very 2021. Cool. To this year, as in like uh, oh, 2021. Okay, I was yeah. say in the last five days. <laughs> She's a powerhouse, CR. A powerhouse. Say, good God. Okay, so you, um, when did you? So exactly on timeline wise, and you decided to write the first book. You decided to put it out. What got you to go in that direction to finally do that? Um, I actually, I think I don't remember where I came across this kind of like mantra type of thing it could have been Pinterest or something and it's it was for writers and it says like write down that you intend to write a book and what your intentions are and sign it and put the date on it and so I did that and almost a year to the date is when my book came out because I was dragging my feet basically before then and that helped me kind of make it real in a sense that is awesome that is exciting yeah, you, I keep it I right. see it's yeah. above you. <laughs> yeah, for those watching the YouTube, she keeps glancing up. So either she's being stalked by a monster on the wall, <laughs> or she has a board above her. One of the two. Either could be really cool. I mean, just depending. <laughs> um, so that's really awesome. Uh, when you uh first put it out, so you, that means you put eight books out with the publisher. Um. Just about, yes. Yeah. Did you, um, are they all in a series? They are two series and one standalone, I believe. Okay. And yeah. And the most successful series is the, the one I have that's the latest that everybody kind of knows about. And that's the Angels and Assassins. Angels and Assassins. That sounds like a fun cup of tea. So what's the general idea about that series? Um... Alpha male, you know, typical alpha male. I don't really like, I don't really write like wilting kind of heroines. Um, it's basically a group of guys who didn't really know each other before and they're recruited for, um, I guess you could say like a special ops, black ops type of unit. And that's how, and through that unit is how they meet the women that they end up with. Very cool. there. Very cool. So when you were writing before, what what genre did you think you would write before you got into romance? Fantasy. Fantasy? Definitely, yeah. And have you written any fantasy? Technically, it's... I have one book that I say it's paranormal, but as I go back and go through it, I'm thinking it's probably fantasy, but that's about it. Everything else has been pretty straightforward contemporary. Have you thought about going back to writing fantasy at all? Yes, I actually have a planning. <laughs> I've already planned one out that I'm hoping, hoping I can bring out this year. Very cool. Well, so you started down this romance path and 13 books later, were you like, I'm going to go be a romance writer? Did you put the first one out and think, okay, I did that. Now I'm going to go do fantasy <laughs> books. Um, kind of. And then I learned about like branding yourself and I, the, the reception that I got, I just seemed like, okay, people, I was like reluctant to write romance because of the like stigma around romance and how 
it's unrealistic or whatever. And but based on just what I've seen in communities that I've been part of, that hasn't been the case. And that's why I stayed there. Yeah. Well, I think that's the reason people like romance is because it's not reality. People read romance to not re be reading reality. You know, if you have a difficult day or difficult life, you're not like, you know what I want to read about? <laughs> I want to read about something that is a pain in the butt. That's what I'd like to read about. That would well, be great. It's that, it's that. And I think that like, even though there is that weird thing where people are like, oh, you know, romance, that never happens. People still want it. Yeah. You still want the random person or random event to happen exactly. and come and like sweep you off your feet. So like, you still want it to happen, even if it is unrealistic. And sometimes maybe it will happen. Yeah, I mean, it happens to some people. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it's, I think romance can happen to anyone. It's just not, it's interesting because I think people forget to look at the part of the book where they have the hugely difficult situation and the, you know, outside conflict and the inside conflict. Nobody goes, I want that part of a book. You know what I want to do? <laughs> I want to have a gigantic fight with my family and have them be the guy I'm with. That's what I would like to do. Exactly. Everybody wants a grand adventure in every part mm -hmm. of their life. And if you can't get it, then like, what's so wrong with reading about it? You can exactly. be, have that adventure for a moment or two. So how come in your romance, you didn't cross the paranormal fantasy line with your, cause you're contemporary. Mm -hmm. So how come you didn't just like, well, I'm just going to go this way a little bit, just a little bit and do the other side where you're paranormal and fantasy. But a funny thing about that, I was supposed to, because I, I wrote a book last year called Prince of the Brotherhood. And so far, it's been like the most popular book. But I wasn't writing that initially. I was writing another fantasy book. And for some reason, I kept getting the first chapter of Prince of the Brotherhood in my head and it wouldn't go away. So I had to switch gears. And because that's a series, that's how I ended up going back into <laughs> contemporary. No, that's cool. So let's talk a little bit about um, your uh, finding a publisher. So how did that work out for you? In the, well, I, she found me actually, like my oh. first, yeah, she reached out because she was still new to publishing and she did a really great job. And she reached out to me because I had, I think I did have a book out at the time. And we basically went into it really hopeful because this was when you know people were just buying Kindles and it was becoming popular you know Oprah it was one of Oprah's favorite things and it was a, like a journey a new journey for us both very cool and what has been different for you between that and self-publishing um you even though you have a lot more creativity um and your your own saying like how you want your book to go covers it's way more stressful <laughs> but it's a stress that you can appreciate at the end no totally some people are brilliant at it and some people do it for a little while and are like hell no I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> like I don't know yeah because you don't realize all the little teeny mm -hmm. pieces that go into having to yeah. do this activity you know when, yeah. when you're starting and um, even like you get the cover, you're like, I love this cover art. We'll get the cover to be the right size that exactly. has to fit in the template, you know, and there's a lot with it. So let's see, you talked a lot about the feedback. So how has your fan interactions been? Amazing for the most part. I mean, I 
would have never expected some of the emails that I've gotten. It's like people who really kind of bring these characters into their lives. And I, because as a writer, you become part of your book, especially as you're going through it. And those characters become like really, really personal to you. And to see that there are people who kind of share that, it was, it's, I still can't believe it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's true. And that's awesome. Okay. Have you found this to be the case? Cause I found this little weird oddity when people would ask me about my book every now and then they're not asking me about, um, the main characters. They're asking me about some weird sub character that you put in there just to do an arc thing. Yeah. They're, you know, I keep referring to him as like Claude the barista, you know, like, and they're like, when are you going to write Claude's story? And you're like, I wasn't even thinking Claude, right? Like, you're like, who are you talking about? You always have to go yeah. back and read your book and control F Claude. Oh, that's Claude, you know? Yeah. Have you had that situation? Yeah, definitely. Like, and sometimes it's kind of like I had absolutely no plans for this character like you don't expect it they're like on one page or something and they resonated I guess no totally um what is the weirdest fan interaction you had I don't it's not necessarily weird but like fans that like tell you that they love you like like you like they know you personally even if you've never met them it's I've never even had that in real life so and that was that's for me that's considered weird that is pretty weird what is your what is your best fan interaction that you can remember like what is your favorite one um it's actually from the first book that I put out I got a really really long email from I, I keep it like framed so I can never forget it. And it's basically from a reader who her, it's her first book of mine she ever read and it resonated with her and it, she felt like it changed her life in some way. And for me, I was just putting words on a paper, but to see that it impacted somebody like that, that was pretty, pretty special. Very cool. Have you done a lot of in-person events? Not many. I'm really 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 shy we hadn't so. noticed <laughs> noticed a little bit maybe yeah. we noticed a little bit we're gonna pull you out of the shell it's okay it's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> yeah. but so what was it like doing an in-person event if you're really shy don't worry CR is too it was fun being a part of her first in-person event it was painful it's okay. <laughs> She got up and walked away from the table and I'm like, yeah, I did. I panicked at one point. I panicked at one point, was like, I'm gonna go check this out over here and just walked away. And she was like, Where are you going? (laughs) You're supposed to be here. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, no, totally. It was funny. So what was it like for you doing your first in-person event? Um, kind of along the same lines. My first in-person event really was a conference. Okay. And I got called up to be part of a panel that I was not expecting. And I honestly, I did not know other people could see that I was shy. (laughs) But having all these faces looking at you, I just let the other panel members kind of talk. And I said like one or two words and nobody noticed really. Do you think, no, well, 
I, I get it. I, I see I'm on the other side of the spectrum where I'm like, I will talk to anybody about anything. Let's go talk about it. It was very funny because somebody wanted me to talk to this executive panel and I was like, how much time do I have? Is this like a two minute talk or like a 20 minute talk? Two hours? I could fill a room full of stuff. Let's do it. But, you know, it's interesting because in especially in romance, you're writing about very personal personal interpersonal situations right that you're having that people are having um i kind of want to imagine what it's like when somebody comes up to you to talk about this character that you know is doing this very you know romantic thing and they're like oh my god i love it when bob was swooning over <laughs> and you're like beat red <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of easier to talk about characters than it is to talk about myself so I usually handle those a little bit better. It's that is like, so I, there are certain things that I write that I have to, that I don't write when I'm going through. So I'll write an entire scene and it's supposed to be like a love scene. I'll put insert love scene here and then like come back to it later so I can prepare myself. I think it's worse, like all the way across for me. Like when I go to talk about characters, that feels personal too. And I'm like, what did they do? What do you know? What part have you read? And then like, I drift that line. So I actually have my husband who's always like, no, <laughs> you went too far. Well, so when you're, when you're writing the stuff, so let's talk about that for a minute. Cause you wanted to write fantasy. What kind of fantasy, like paranormal or like high fantasy? Like what kind of similar books were you trying to emulate when you have when you're talking about I'm going to write fantasy like were you going the token route or the romance route yeah it's still still with elements of romance it's just I like journeys and I like creating things and so I prefer like if I'm writing a story I create the city or I even create the entire being and that's what drew me to fantasy so there was always going to still be a romance part but there were going to be, there's going to be like fantastical elements. Is, I, is there, I think that's, so like high fantasy, like magic and stuff like that, yeah, or yeah. that, see, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be fun. Let's, let's hope so. Well, we you're 13 books into it. Do you write full-time? Is this your full-time gig now? Um, Technically I don't, but the hours make it seem like I do. Cause I'll just, you know, once you get into it, you can spend hours just on it, like writing. I don't know if that's the same for you guys, but it'll take chunks out of my day. No, totally. If I get the non-interrupted bandwidth to do it, mm -hmm. that's where my problem in lies is free time. Get the soundproof ear, like the noise canceling oh, headphones. It's, it's not I the noise Corey as he walks by. <laughs> it's, it's jobs and other yeah things. <laughs> so when you sit down um, in a day, how how many words? How much do you write in a day? If you're at a good okay. clip. You like sit down. And you're doing awesome. How much do you write in a day? I can write between like five and seven thousand in a setting. Yeah, sitting rather. Yeah. Wow. That is impressive. That is very, very cool. Yeah, I guess. No, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's a lot. I'm not that fast. I mean, I'm just I mean, not. sometimes when you go on those rolls, you know how like you feel like you did a lot and then you go back and you're like, I wrote 10,000 words and it's like 425. <laughs> but then you have those other times where you don't feel like you're writing and you're like, holy mm -hmm. shit, like yeah. I wrote four chapters, like hell yeah, pat on the back. 
yeah that's what I look for I love those <laughs> do you um do a lot of outlining no oh I tried and uh, I there's no maybe uh, you can say I do like a little bit of planning so I know where the plots are gonna go and I know the characters but I've tried outlining and I just don't stick to it like the characters kind of do what they want to they're not going to do what I tell them to kind of thing I mean that totally makes sense a lot of authors are like that what about so you've written series right do you go back and listen or reread your series before you do the yes. next one is that how you stay abreast yeah. of the situation <laughs> yes and even before I, I put the book out I've read it like ad nauseum and so a lot of it kind of just stays in my head and I go back through it for like minor details, things like that. Timeline mostly. That makes sense. Um, okay. So what was my next question? Oh my God. I had a good one there. I had a good one. Do you have a, a, a Bible for your worlds? Like where you keep notes, like Bob is married to Samantha who knows, you know, Robert and like, do you keep like sort of a, a journal of all this stuff? Um, in several places. I, <laughs> I have one written. I have one in my notes folder on my phone. And then I have a OneNote and it's basically, cause sometimes I'm out and it'll just like something will come to my head. And so that's why I have them in so many different places. When you, when something comes to your head, is it generally the conversation or is it the, um, uh, like part of the story? I know some people whose characters just talk to them, so yeah. they will dictate down dialogue. Either or, um, it's happened both ways. I like when it's dialogue and lately for the past couple of books, it's been the dialogue that's come first, but it's either or. No, that's very cool. Yeah. So what's your writing process? Do you set a time during the day to sit down and write? Or do you just write when it like hits you? Um, I would like to say that it's organized, but it's not at all. There, I try to set times where I sit down and write, like when I finished all my other work. And I will say, okay, I'm going to write for four hours. It usually ends up being like longer than that. And I just, I kind of write what I write crap. Basically, I just kind of get everything out of my head and what I want the story to say. And when I go back through it is when I kind of do the polishing. I try not to focus too much on making it perfect that first time. That was like a big problem I had in the past. It would take me forever to write. Yeah. Well, anybody who tries to make their book perfect, everybody listening out there, you're never going to accomplish that goal. Yeah. And, and I can tell you right now, you can go back and I'm sure you have picked up your books and gone, damn it, and yep. see stuff. But you can't change never move forward. You'll never move forward if you get stuck with that. Okay, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Drinking with Authors. Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. 
Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. Okay, we're back. So we were talking about your writing process. Let's talk a little bit. Are you an avid reader as well? Yes, yes, yes. How um, much do you I, read? Uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's been like, I try to do the hundred books a year type of thing, but I see there. <laughs> you can't see my face unless you're watching the YouTube, but oh my God. Uh, I do. <laughs> I love how you say these things. You're like, yeah, so I've written 13 books. And, like, and then she's like, I'm like, how do you read? You're like, I don't know. Like I try to do the hundred book challenge. I'm like, do we live in a different plane of existence? Because you're saying these very momentous statistics. And I'm like. It seems like it's like little, I don't know. Like it's much less than people do, so. I do the same thing though because like sometimes you read the short like novellas and like you only have like that 15 20,000 words so that's like a book that's like a three hour time span but then you read those other crazy ones but do you read the same that you write or do you branch out in your genres I branch out um actually one of the most the one of the best things I learned from the conference I went to was what genres to read it based upon what area of writing you want to improve upon. And so I I like word flow. And so I just really started getting into poetry to kind of help me with how my words flow in like prose. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you've read a lot of poetry books? Um, I guess so. Like a few of them, like, like Pablo Neruda, like really old ones. And because poetry has kind of like that lyrical content to it, it really helps me with getting out what I want to say. Did you do any writing classes? Like, you know, me and Chelsea were like, you know what, screw it, we're just going to be writers. Like, we didn't like go to school for writing. We, you know, what did you do? Let's just type these things on the... Um, so let's go back then. You mm-hmm. used to put together little staple books. I think, uh, you know, I had those too. I love mm-hmm. staple books. Um, I, I found actually when I was looking through something, because I just moved, I found um, dot matrix printouts because I'm that old. Dot matrix <laughs> printouts that start with I'm a dark, it's a dark stormy night. So I know it's oh. terrible. I'm not even going to read past that oh. line. But um, where, when did you go to any classes, join any writer groups, or were you just like, you know, or did you major in English? Like, let's, let's go back to the days, the days when we were stapling our books together. Let's journey forward. 
Well, I grew up for part of my life in the Caribbean. And one of the things that we have to learn is grammar, English grammar, because we speak dialect. And so the expectation is to eventually gain a level of proficiency with the way that you speak English. And so there was that. That's kind of how I got into as far as how I use words, things like that. And I have not taken, I took one, I want to say it's a creative writing course when I was in in college, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't affect the way I write now because I don't, it's hard for me to believe that you can teach someone how to write or tell somebody, well, this, this isn't the way that you need to write, or this isn't what you should write or use less dialogue because the genre that he, that, that professor was really teaching was nothing at all. Like what we see in like romance, like there's no focus on characters, no dialogue, no wordplay. And it didn't really, it's, I don't really see it being like helpful in my career. Like I don't think about it almost ever. And that's no, the that only. Makes sense. I think creative writing classes, if you have the right teacher can be great mm-hmm. because there are acts in a, like, for instance, you go romance, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you have the internal conflict, the external conflict, the resolution, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you have sort of beats that go with most of them. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they're, um, you know, everything is different that you add to it, but there's an expectation when you're writing a romance of certain things mm-hmm. occurring and stuff like that. I think learning those things, learning grammar is vitally important for authors because I think all of us and in not just learning words but learning the proper placement of a comma for instance because that is highly debated (laughs) Erica had this talk it is highly debated it it is but you know I hate commas yeah I know you do and you don't use nearly enough of them or use way too many of them it's either or but you can't find the happy middle ground but I I know for instance that tenses like past tense you know that people can mess up their tenses Mm -hmm. really easily and also when you like you talked about dialogue I can't tell you how many books that um I've attempted to read and I won't finish them this is a question I'm going to ask you in a minute but that are not edited or not edited well self-published books and there some of them are also published books but a lot of them are self-published books where it's, he said this, she said this, then he said this, and then she said this. And you're like, oh my God, stop saying the word said. Mm -hmm. Like, just please, anything, stop saying the word said. But it's one of the biggest things. Like if you use a lot of the writing, like editing programs and things, or like the helpers, it specifically says to only use said and asked. Those are the only two things that you should use when working with dialogue. And I'm like, do you know how annoying that is? Well, then you just ignore the programs. But I'm just saying there, oh, I think I some creative writing classes, if you find the right teachers and they're teaching the right things to help you develop your skills. And that's true with like any of the books. I don't know if you've read any of the books like written by authors on writing. Have you read any of the books written by authors on writing? Like uh, you know, Stephen King. Um, well, he's one. You know what a good one would be for your genre is uh, Gina Showalter writes is- romance. Gina Showalter, it's G-E-N-A-S-H-O-W-A-L-T-E-R. She's actually one of my favorite like escape reads, I call it. But she has both um, 
uh, normal romance and she does paranormal romance, kind of spicy paranormal romance. Mm -hmm. But she actually wrote a book on writing. See, that would be because that's your genre. Stephen King on writing, I'm sure it's got, I, I've read it, it's got a ton of tips, but he's a horror author. Yeah. And it's a different kind of thing. I know this because I'm a horror author. We, It's a different pacing and a different, yeah. like, you know, you're not doing an internal struggle. <laughs> an internal <laughs> struggle. You're running for your life from something. So you, you know, and you have to build this suspense and the mystery. Mm -hmm. And like for me, mystery, for instance, I won't go anywhere near mystery writing. I don't, I don't know how to write mysteries. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can't go anywhere near the mystery genre. Cause I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I don't get it. But anyway, I think anyway, tangent, I think it's important. What about when you read, will you always finish books? No, I don't always. Um, I try to, I try really hard to. But if nothing's happening, I just, I stop torturing myself. And there, and there's just certain books, they're not necessarily bad books, but I can't read them or it's not my style or my taste. And I just kind of have to stop. What about um, reviews? So I'm, do you read your reviews? I used to in the beginning, but I stopped because I'm, not the person who can read them and then like just go on with my life. I'm going to ruinate. <laughs> I'm going to be like at Target in the checkout line thinking about that one line. It could be, and you, I could have a thousand positive reviews and one negative review. I will completely forget the positive ones and ruminate on that negative one. And it really kind of, I would like stop writing for a while and kind of dampens the creative process. So no. <laughs> I, I stopped. What about you? Do you do reviews of books that you read? Sometimes, yeah. I if I don't, if I didn't care for the book, I don't review it. Um, it's usually if I do like the book, I do review it. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I I think a lot of authors struggle with the review process and stuff like that. I mean, the reviews are really for the readers. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I See, I find I think they're for me. Like when I get reviews, I'm like, all right. Like I feel like it's almost like even though you see, you know, the people that have looked at it or that have gotten it or anything like that. Like I feel like it's confirmation that somebody actually read and cared enough about your work to say something about it. What it's almost like a, a negative review there, Chelsea. I haven't gotten one yet, so I'll give that to you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, I do but, not want to be. Oh, no, I will have happens. a self-destruction day. Everybody is invited. <laughs> it will be a huge sensation. But it is like, I haven't had, you know, and I, I can't imagine. I had, a, I met a lady the other day who was an author and she said that she stopped writing for three years because she got a bad review from somebody who said they didn't like her book, but they also don't like the genre. And they mm -hmm. found it because they read the title and they thought it went towards a different genre mm -hmm. and then they just bashed her book so how what would you like have you ever encountered that have you had somebody come to you and you know because there's cruel people everywhere that yeah. like, read a title it's like mechanics or something like that and like it's a romance and you have those people that are like this was terrible this was not about mechanics at all like, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I will say that if a reader tells me that they left me a review, I will read that specific review because they're reaching out. Um, I have had reviews where it's like, well, I didn't like this character. And I, I think 
the I kind of have a mystery book. I mean, it's funny that you say that. And I received a reader that said, I don't like this genre and please don't ever write this again. Right. Like, what are you supposed like, to say to that? How do you come back from that? Like, you're why not you supposed to say so. I, I, but why I, would you do that as a person? Why would you be like, you know, I don't like romance. Let me go trash these people's lives for the day. Like, okay. So I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but a friend of mine showed me this review and it, it is the perfect review to explain all of this. Okay. The food was awesome. The service was impeccable. The lime in my Moscow mule wasn't as fresh as I thought it should be. One star. This is a legitimate review that's out there on Yelp. This the food was fantastic, the service was impeccable. The lime in my Moscow mule was not as fresh as I thought it would be. One star. I feel like those people just get their should just get their internet privileges taken away. <laughs> they should, but that's why I say that's why I say when it comes to reviews, sometimes they can be great. But you have to like treat them almost like white noise in the background yeah. because they're not, you, first of all, you don't know this person. You don't know their background. You don't know what they're, what they actually like. And mm-hmm. some people, you know what, sometimes I'll, I'll do, this is what I tell people to do. I'll tell people to go look up Hunger Games or Harry Potter or one of these really big books maybe that you like and then sort by the one star mm-hmm. reviews. Because they're out there and you go and sort, just take any book you really, really like by a super well-known person that's got 40,000 reviews Mm -hmm. and sort by the one-star reviews and see what's said, right? Because you don't know where they're from. The other thing I tend to do is when I, um, when somebody leaves a a bad review, I tell people go click on that person because you can go see what other reviews they've left. And you'll find a lot of times these two-star reviewers and stuff are two-star reviewers. That is what they are. That's it's not good. your book they two-star reviewed. They two-star reviewed yeah. all the books. Like I have a review of my, my book. It's a humorous erotica book. And it's a review by a guy who said, this does not help you find out how to have sex with a lot of women. Did you say that it was a how-to guy? Like, never did I say that, but he literally said, this is, it's really good. Great advice for women will not help you get laid. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, it's not supposed to, but you know, you're not, I'm not going to talk back to this person who, by the way, gave me three stars (laughs) saying this. So I feel like I'm a high end of his super special but you know like that's the review that's what it's like so you have to take a grain of salt with any Mm -hmm. review because also you know you get positive reviews that are like loved it nothing like what the fuck are you supposed to do with loved it (laughs) it also have the people that go through and it's like this book was great now let me tell you everything that happened through it and it's like why are you doing that like what are you doing and then at the very end you get the spoilers yeah. Like at the very end of the reviews, it says spoiler. It's like, oh, thank you. I had no idea. So <laughs> I, think, I, I think one of the great things is though, like, I don't think people fully understand how important it is to review something because like, yeah. you know, when you go on Amazon and you go to buy something or any store, like what you look at reviews to see yeah. how it is. And if something doesn't quite have as many reviews, like you're a little nervous, like, 
why don't people care about this enough to review it? So I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You want them, but like only if they're good. <laughs> no, I, you know, you know, it's, it's the double-edged sword, but a friend of mine wrote a blog article, which I thought was fantastic. And this was, oh my God, maybe five years ago now, but he, he wrote a blog article about how to write reviews, how to write reviews for authors and what's helpful and what's not helpful. Cause just saying it's great or I liked it is not helpful saying, I loved the storyline. I love these characters. I love the city they're in, whatever it is that you like about it, right? And then if it's something you want to say something negative about, one, I kind of agree with most people that if you're not going to do at least a three-star review, don't leave a review. Don't do that. There's no point. It's just cruel. There's no, there's no reason. Fine. If there's something like this you know I and I've gone through and what I look for when I read reviews on a book if it's somebody that I don't know or is not being recommended to me by somebody I know that I trust because we have similar books tastes is I go and see if they're talking about the grammar if they're talking about Mm. you know basically am I going to get thrown out of the story because it's written badly not because the story is bad but because the actual writing is bad I personally cannot stand bad writing like Mm -hmm. I can't I can't force my way through it I know a lot of people that can I am not a force my way through it kind of I suffer through it I won't suffer through it'll take me weeks months years but I'll do it because I feel like it just stares at me from like my shelf or something like it's like (laughs) hey like what the hell Wow. Yeah. I'm yeah. also an editor, so I can't like, it's one of the worst things I could have ever done is become an editor too. So like, it's really, really hard to read books for pleasure when you're constantly rewriting things in your head. So I, I can't get through them. I will say though, like I will only go so far. So I do have a cutoff point. If I get halfway through the book, I have to finish it. If I am below that, like 30, 40%, I'm like, you know what? I'm out. Like, I can't do this. I'm not even invested. I read, okay. a, a, yeah, it's like one of those where you go through and it's like they change the people's names. It's like they didn't quite figure out what they were doing, but it sucks when they have a fantastic idea and you're just like, yes, no. You know, you I, again, fantastic ideas, but I go, hey, could you could you maybe see an, see an editor? And then I would love to read your story if you see mm-hmm. an editor, you know? Mm-hmm because I cannot, cannot read your story. Mm-hmm. If it's gonna, it, it just throws me out of the story. And I think it's not a fair representation, I guess, of yeah. the person's potential work. Anyway, okay, now we're down the tangent. Jels, over to you. <laughs> I just went down a whole tangent. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, I get it. We like tangents on this show. Um, what is your perfect writing setup? When you go to write, like, is it you have music playing, you have your snacks? What do you do to set up for the perfect writing day? Um, if it's uh, sometimes I do music and it can't be music with words, so I usually do like something instrumental, classical. I even like do Disney classical and a, a block of time because I live with my sister, so a block of time where I know like I can just dedicate to my writing. Location is not really important because sometimes I write here at my desk and sometimes I write like I hook my laptop up to my TV and I write that way just as long as I'm That's warm, different. warm, comfortable, and there's nothing 
like there's not talking or anything like that in the background. So do you snack as you write? Like, do you have a guilty pleasure snack that like you have to have? So like you write a cheap page and no, not usually. Like sometimes I forget to eat when I'm writing. So that's something I'm still working on. Yeah. I feel like I just have bad habits. No. I feel like I just have bad habits. No, that's, I think, I actually think that's better that you kind of like power yourself through because you don't want to go hours and hours just tanking yourself. So. Well, see, I also listen to, I hit YouTube on shuffle. So like I listen to music that has words, doesn't have words, anything like that. My process is chaotic compared to the people that we talk to. And I feel so unrefined. You are definitely unrefined. I will give you that. That is definitely a good word to sum up you. You are unrefined. So what, what about um, uh, editing pet peeves? What are, what are your editors come back to you and say, hey, you need to stop doing this or? Repetitive words. And so um, one word that I used to use a lot for some reason was lowered. And my characters never sat. They always lowered. And I never noticed it. And so when I actually started going through my writing, I was like, this is crazy that nobody sits in my stories they always lower and that's kind of a lot a lot of feedback I get usually like repetitive words and that's usually it like I don't get too much because I edit too and so it's not too much of grammar it's more like the story when did you start editing um 2015 yeah so one year after you wrote you're like I'm gonna edit now what made you decide to do editing the publisher that I was working with, she was hiring editors and she's like, I think you'd be really good at this. Would you like to try it? And that's kind of how I got my feet wet with that. So what what are the main books you edit? Similar romance stories to yours or all over yes. the place? Similar romance stories. I've done, actually, I don't know what genre this book would be in. It was kind of like philosophical. Um, I don't really know. It's fiction and it's about a superhero, but it's kind of like philosophical. I don't really know what genre I consider it to be, but other than that, it's mostly romance. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. What are you? What did you learn by editing that you realized you hadn't thought of as a writer? Because that's two different hats: doing mm-hmm. an editor versus what did what did you encounter when you did that? There are some things that I drive myself crazy about that I need to stop driving myself crazy about. So sometimes it's writing. I will sit for like five minutes trying to figure out what line to put a sentence on. And it's not at all important, but I just, it for me, I don't know what it is. It's like, it has to be a certain place. And reading other people's work and seeing how well it does and they don't worry about this. I'm like, maybe I am kind of crazy. So that's the main, main thing I've learned. That's very cool. Charles. What do you think is, is the most underappreciated about writing? Because do you know when people have their books come out and you have those people that go and they read it in like an hour? Mm-hmm. What do you feel like people don't understand about the writing process? The amount of or time books. it takes. Like, and this is any writer, any writer who, you know, feels the way about writing that I think I do the amount of time it takes so I have a book that's a hundred and something thousand words 
it took me like four months or so to write it. And it was like four really hard months. Then I put it out. And then I think like five hours later, I get um, an email. Oh my God, I loved it so much. When's the next one coming out? And I have not recovered (laughs) from the first one. And I think because it's so, and I appreciate that, you know, because it's obviously it was like engaging or whatever, but it's very, very time consuming and difficult. And you put so much of yourself into these words that you can't just like, just jump into another project. You kind of have to let that one go before you go into something else. So it's just how much time it takes basically. So what do you do when you take breaks from writing? Like, do you actually take breaks from writing? Uh, physical breaks. Yes. Um, they, I don't stop writing uh, in my head, but I do take like a couple of weeks to kind of, so I can transition to a different character and that way. So my characters don't keep sounding like each other. And that's usually when I do a lot more reading or I'll watch like something on TV. That's not really in like too cerebral. So like Brooklyn nine, nine or something. And I just relax. And before oh I my God, I again. love that show. Love that so show. <laughs> and it's such, I, that show is so incredibly well-written. I don't yes. think people realize how fluidly well-written that show is because. Well, it's, I, it's the police version of Parks and Rec and The yeah. Office. It's like, I know it's different people, but it's just like, if you like that whole thing, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is fantastic. <laughs> it's true, but uh, it's a comedy. Unlike the other ones that are set up kind of like your documentaries or mockumentaries right but what I think is interesting is I don't think that they write it in a way that they're waiting for a joke to land like a Mm -hmm. lot of sitcoms are waiting for jokes to land and so they're funny to watch Mm -hmm. because like there's whatever waiting for the joke to land where they don't wait for any jokes to land they just keep going they land they land (laughs) you know yeah I think it's fantastic it's um no, that's very cool. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love it. Talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm very sad it's no longer a show. It makes me sad that they, they're done now. But it's uh, just like Psych. Like, I love Psych. Can you imagine if they would have kept going? Like, as much as you uh, love something, like, it would die at some point. Yeah. And then it, like, destroys the whole thing for you. So wouldn't you rather have I this fantastic thing you can back to? No, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So my daughter just started, she told me tonight, she's like, I just started watching Game of Thrones. I'm like, are you talking to Chelsea? What the hell? And I'm like, like, don't watch season eight. She's like, I've been told that I'm going to watch it. And I'm like, okay, well, I was there when she was reading Twilight and when she was much younger and came and threw the book across the room because she was going to marry Edward instead of Jacob. And I'm like, this is going to be the Edward Jacob thing all over again. (laughs) I can't even deal with it. (laughs) I'm not even going to touch this topic. It was one of those. I, oh my goodness. Okay, final question, Joe. <laughs> final question. I promise it's not an in-favorite thing. Um, where do you get your inspiration from? Um, Random places. So it can be anime. It can be like I'm driving and I see somebody walk across the street and there's something about that person that like infer something else like there's no one place that I can say I get inspiration from it just kind of 
any kind of media that I can consume. So if it's TV, print, whatever, there's always something I can take from it to make a story better. Very cool. Okay. Now we're at the end of the podcast. We need your advice to authors out there. Okay. Well, the, honestly, the best advice I always give authors is that you have to keep writing. Like a lot of people will say, oh, um, I've always wanted to write a book and I never got started. And literally the only way that you can start writing is to start writing. And there's this quote that said, anything that's worth doing is worth doing poorly. So even if you start writing and you're like, this is trash, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what first drafts are for. You just have to keep everybody writes trash at some point, but that's not what like we see. I'm pretty sure like some of the big authors, their first drafts, they didn't like, but that's not what they're going to put out. Well, even when they put stuff out, sometimes they're like, oh, like, <laughs> you, you have to keep writing. You're going to get better. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us can go back and look at the first books we put out oh, and gosh. we go, Oh my God, I'm so much better. Can we just remove this from the existence, right? <laughs> or can but, we rewrite it? Can yeah. we just, you know, let's let's go back. We're just going to redo this one. With my new skills, yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, it's true. You're just going to keep getting better and better. That's, no, that's great advice. Okay, where do people find you in your books? And not like personally find you, but your author social media. I, I do have to warn about that every now and then. I had an author who's like, well, I live in Tampa. <laughs> Don't do that, please. Um, I can be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash Miss K. Alex Walker. I'm more active on Instagram where I'm um, K. Alex writes, or I have an entire website where I, sometimes I post blogs and that's K. Alex Very, very cool. It has been very fun to have you on the show. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being here. I was so nervous, but thank you. <laughs> You're, de- you're, you're doing, doing awesome. We can tell you were a little nervous. You're doing great. You're doing fantastic, though. You're doing great. Thank you. That's why we recommend alcohol. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's why we do the drinking part of the drinking with authors. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsor, Skunk Brothers Spirit. You can find them at Kunk's. Oh my gosh, that word is inappropriate. Spirits.com. It's fine. I've been drinking the cherry cordial. It's totally fine. This is an adult podcast. I can say that word. Wow. They're going to be so thrilled with me. You can just tell. Why did they give me this? No. And uh, you can look for the coupon code, which I still have not been given, but you can find it in the notes of this podcast because when it comes out, I should have it. Um, my co host today has not been a cunt. It's been CR right. That's okay, but I keep saying the word over and over. <laughs> Just kidding. No, our baby guest so much. Oh, I love this. Our amazing guest has been Kay Alex Walker, and I'm gonna go before I say anything else to it for free. <laughs> see you guys next time. <laughs>